right? Da 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 da. It's working now. For now. Uh huh. Alright, I guess we'll see. Here we are, Abe. Eh? A very long hello, hello, hello. With all of my talk about a bad television show here. Blah blah blah. Postmodernism is bullshit. Reverse racism hashtag. <laughs> Here we are, Abe Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that has spent much of the last couple of days genuinely mystified by the near universal critical acclaim heaped upon an obviously hysterically bad television program. Probably, of course, it doesn't matter. But if that's the standard, what does any of it really matter? But surely, on some level, it matters that we have an ability as a culture to more or less sort the good art from the bad art, or at least have honest disagreements about whether or not something was good, according to some more or less consistent standards for storytelling, and that such determinations are made by people of good faith, evaluating the art on its own terms and on the merits, rather than out of some affinity for the identity or politics of the creator, or some sympathy for a sociological project that is in keeping with one's preferences about how the world ought to be. Surely we are not now evaluating art in terms of the culture war, out of some fear that to honestly conclude that a work by one artist who happens to be a woman of color is demonstrably worse than the work of a person who happens to be a white man as though that would present some sort of victory for your political enemies. It cannot possibly be the case that the identity of the artist and their noble aims matters more than the work itself, that what matters is the ability to write a compelling essay about the art's message, or to give a plausible defense of the project's goals in a pitch meeting before or interview after, that the incoherence and artlessness is superseded and forgotten because of how desperately we don't want to be viewed as impolite to the wrong people, that debilitating fear of being cast out, the most powerful self-enforcing speech code in human history. That goodness in art doesn't actually matter at all, because if we simply say that something terrible is actually good, we are no longer rendering meaningful judgment, but instead simply defending the tribe. This criticism as thinly veiled tribal defense denies even the possibility of transcendence in art, denies that greatness matters, ignores the possibility that it is ever possible to separate art from artist, insists that to try to separate art from artist is to commit a sin against the good modern conscience. This is the last refuge of the poptimist, the person who believes that there is no such thing as good or bad, that only the fact that some audience can be found who claim to enjoy it is what gives a thing value, a postmodern aesthetics that declares that there is nothing really good or bad about art because such things are purely subjective, that all that matters is the person who made the thing. That good intentions rule all else, that as long as you're on the right team, you can do no wrong. It may seem trivial, these complaints about the oddly positive reaction to a silly TV show. It may feel like this podcast is blowing everything out of proportion. But it was once the case that we were told that one's peculiar and unchosen identities didn't matter in matters of the soul. That the immortal fact of equal human dignity for every person meant that even considering such things was an affront to one's own and everyone else's humanity. But then again, 
may be the mistake here, is imagining that this stupid television show, poorly, if nobly conceived, and disastrously executed, was a matter of the soul. It wasn't. It was a political act. And while political acts absolutely can transcend themselves and become something more, become art, become matters of the soul, this one certainly did not, because it simply wasn't any good. Those who say it was aren't pointing to anything it showed us, anything it demonstrated through story and character and feeling, but what the creators were trying to tell us, what the underlying argument was, not even via the work itself, but in their explanations and rationalizations in the press. Time may well be a flat circle, human experience, an eternally repeating pattern, inescapable cycles of ignorance and learning and wisdom and forgetting. But that doesn't make every point of experience along that bright spinning disk equal to the task of offering perspective. There is still art that enlightens versus certainty that obscures. There is still the interesting in opposition to the tedious, and always the darkness and the light. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How are you doing tonight, Lori? 30 minutes older than I was 30 minutes ago. Happy birthday, Jerry. Tonight is Tuesday, February the 20th, 2024. It is indeed the Thousand Man Jerry's birthday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday to our most important listener and also to my old man who got older yesterday as well. Abe, you have a good weekend? Yeah, had a lot of fun. Did you uh, did you watch any uh, any piece of shit television shows while you were at it? <laughs> I did watch. Some I don't care there. how your weekend went, Abe. Are you kidding me? I'm too fired up about a prestige television drama. <laughs> Overall enjoyable, right? Uh, you didn't uh, find it entertaining, other than the many faults. I laughed a lot. Does that is that mean that it was that I? <laughs> you didn't laugh that much. I I, I know uh, we do the what, what did we watch at the end? Uh, uh, but uh, f- for this uh, apparently this de- is actual news. True detective thing. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, funny parts, like uh, when the uh, the kid is like disposing of his old man and the lady's helping him out. Uh, there was a, uh, like at the end, he, he's like, you know, taking it all in, right? And she's like, oh, you think this is bad now? <laughs> it's going to be a lot worse. <laughs> so, why would you tell somebody who's going, who's going through the grieving process that it gets worse? Like, also, they- I, can, I can assure you it will be difficult to live with this moving forward. It will not be worse than the moments <laughs> after you shot your father in the head at point-blank range. And then, with a bottle of 409 and some paper towels, cleaned really good for a couple of hours, before then having to pry one of his molars out of the plaster of the wall, and then driving across town to dig a hole in some ice, and then buried him at sea. That will have actually been the worst of it. And yes, uh, you might find yourself from time to time having recurring nightmares or being unable to sleep or or, or finding difficulty coming to terms with the fact that you are the person who ended your own father's life. I can imagine that being very – but I can assure you that it does not in fact only get worse from here. 
But maybe if you tell someone it's going to get worse and then it doesn't. Then they will just feel guilty for being just fine with having committed the act of killing their father. That's the only possible outcome is that he ends up. Uh, fully guilt-ridden, not over the fact that he killed his father, but because this wise old woman insisted that he would end up only feeling worse about it. And in fact, uh, life got measurably better in the aftermath, and that must make him actually a sociopathic piece of shit. Yeah, the sun eventually came up, you know. Not too bad. What a bad show. We might as well do it now. Why, Why circle back to it? I don't know if anybody else... I don't think I've heard from a single listener their thoughts on the show. So we might just be annoying people with our discussion of a show that no one else watched. You know what you like, could do? normal people Instead find of... out that they don't like a show and they no. stop watching it. That's what normal people do. And then even if they do continue watching it, they certainly don't go on at intolerable length about how much they yeah, dislike it. But what you could do instead of going through like scene by scene or play by play, if you will, about this show, we could just chit chat just a few minutes get it out move along instead of making it an hour-long conversation yeah, sure it doesn't have to be an hour-long conversation so, all right well you would think that about the super bowl too what's weird about the show is like it's like an av- like average show with many faults right I, I i grant you that uh what makes what makes it even odder is that the the critical praise like when i, I remember fucking the internet i can't find things that i see on tv on the internet i can't like Press some buttons on YouTube and pull the clip to, to, to look at. But like when mm. I was in New Orleans, they had you know these promos for the upcoming episodes, and this is the type you know the, you know the template where they they show all of the critical praise, you know like triumphant right. and like whatever. And there was like so much of that that like oh you know like top marks and like this is like gripping and like and I'm like wow this is like. If I didn't know any better, I would think this was like one of the better shows. Uh, and then you watch it, you're like, oh, that's not that good. But I think the disconnect, the praise critically and the show actually being not that good is what's throwing people off. Like I think if the there the wasn't no critical uh, praise, it would just kind of come and go. And they'd be like, ah, they swung and But it's going to come and go anyway. Right. 92% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes uh, right. based on 186 reviews. 90 Two percent. So what is that? There were 15 or something negative reviews out of the nearly 200 that they counted that 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 uh, didn't find this show up to up to snuff. Like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. This show sucked. This was a terribly written show with from from scene to scene, like like just the bare the, the least that you should ask is that as you go from moment to moment within a scene and then from scene to scene that there's coherence and things make sense. And there was none of that. In this show. And the finale was uh, arguably the worst of it in terms of that stuff. Maybe not the worst overall episode, but just in terms of like what makes sense from one moment to the next. Like you could look at any of the moments in isolation and be like, okay, that was that was sort of interesting and cool, I guess, maybe. But like to then go from one moment to the next and try to make it connect with the thing that just came before. I mean, the the thing that the most glaring thing that that stands out to me from the finale is Danvers, the Jodie Foster character, yeah. she 
leaves the torture interrogation of the Clark scientist, the guy that they finally find who they've been looking for for the last five or six episodes, ostensibly. These are terrible police officers in terms of uh, uh, being good at detective work, not up to the job. Maybe that's another aspect of the show. They're in the middle Uh, of nowhere, Alaska. Underrated that like uh, that cops are bad, actually, and they're they're incompetent and and bad at their jobs. And like maybe that's a point that the show is trying to make. I don't think that's what they were trying to do, but uh, it's possible that's what they were trying to do. And if so, uh, congratulations. You have fully coherently conveyed one thing, which is that uh, these cops are terrible at their jobs. But anyway, after torturing this guy, Danvers uh, walks out under the impression that her partner, the volatile younger cop, is going to shoot him in the head. Yeah. Right. She leaves the room and the younger cop says, oh, you're not even going to stop me. And she just walks away. And so uh, this is uh, this is something that she's done. Uh, uh, they've experienced as a duo before, because right. in the in the before time, they came upon someone who had beaten his uh, spouse to death. And instead of arresting him and, and uh, trying him and putting him in jail, uh, they did the, the police justice thing where they just reacted hostily and, and shot him right there. So this is something that they've done before. Danvers, Jodie Foster, leaves the torture chamber under the assumption that Navarro is going to put a bullet in this guy's head. And then uh, she doesn't, right? Yeah. The, the, she sees the, the better of it and walks out and says, okay, good, you didn't, you didn't shoot him. But she left that room assuming that that, that, that guy was dead. And then in the very next scene, like they cut to uh, uh, Sad Pryor going and trying to bury his dad at sea. And then they come back and that guy, the guy that Jodie Foster had assumed was about to be murdered by her cop friend, has run out of the building and frozen himself to death. He suicided himself. And Danvers loses her fucking mind because now that guy is dead and he was the only insurance that they had in terms of uh, bringing any justice to this case, right? Like that was her thought. So she goes from tacitly and calmly accepting that her cop friend is just going to execute this guy – and being fine with that to being furious that 10 minutes later he's killed himself and taken himself off the board in terms of being held accountable it doesn't it doesn't make any fucking sense whatsoever you know it's it's incoherent within the episode but it's also like i, I realize that each subsequent episode undermines something that happened in a previous episode uh on netflix there's this show uh that i saw like a few months ago it was called fool me once it's not a very good show uh it's like some author who writes one of these books like the, they're saying in tennessee but well, i was saying <laughs> texas Christ. probably have it in tennessee but but it did kind of the same thing where like when you watch it you know episodes one through whatever eight like you're like oh i wonder what what's the meaning of this like you know they kind of leave things vague but then when you kind of see the whole thing you take in all of the episodes and you think back to like well that was a totally pointless scene like episodes two three four and five like there were like scenes that no longer meant anything and it actually there was no significance you could take to- you can take episodes three four and five completely out of this and nothing changes right you could just watch one two and six and you will have gotten the entire story 
There's nothing that happens in three, four, and five. And even well, the you, guy shoots his dad. You can argue, yeah, but that can you just watch the fucking clip of what happened last time? And you're like, oh yeah, I get it. Uh, but like, you could argue that. Well, but that's when they do the character development, yes. and then they do all of the, the subplots that makes things interesting, and that like that's what gives uh, a feeling to a, a time and a place and a setting and all of that. That's how you build a world. But they didn't do any of that shit right. either, right? It was just completely pointless nonsense for. Three Three hours in between three hours of like at least there's some story that we're hanging this stuff on right uh, not that it coheres not that it makes any goddamn sense maybe uh other uh writers of television shows do this uh but it felt like just when the person who came up with the show this season they had like a lot of bullet points of what they wanted to hit and then they kind of came up with the dialogues Based off of the she bullet said, points. The, the Issa, what's her name, said in interviews about this show afterwards that she had this idea of a bunch of indigenous women doing a murder – uh, as as like uh, as like street justice basically, and that's what she built the whole story around. Well, but that, that also, they built it backwards. That's normal. They built it backwards from that, but they forgot to they forgot to do any of the work right. that you have to take to get you there. Right? right. It was like here's the thing that we're aiming at, and then they didn't bother actually doing something that make like how did those women know that they were doing the right thing. Even if we take everything that they did yeah. as the right thing, how did they know that that they weren't just murdering six people? Because the, <laughs> what, what what we rely on yeah. is this idea that they discover that, first of all, oh my God, why is the laboratory hidden from the knowledge of everyone. It doesn't make it, it makes no yeah. sense yeah. why the ice core drilling operation, right? They're there to do ice core drilling. Right. Why there would be a secret lab where the ice core drilling happens that no one knows about, that doesn't make any fucking sense. The ice core drilling is the entirety of the operation that doesn't have a secret fucking hatch entrance to it, right? That doesn't make sense. The whole reason that they're there is to have a laboratory where they drill ice cores. So, of course, the police are going to know just by virtue of the fact that that's what that facility is there to Not do. Not these police. To go check the ice core drilling facility, <laughs> right? Like, why wouldn't you go look in the ice core? It's like, uh, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so the cleaning ladies discover the secret ice by core accident, drilling right? Like they Lab by accident, she <laughs> yeah. spills a, a bunch of mop water on the floor yeah. and is uh, uh, with it enough to be like, oh, this water is leaking much faster away than I you need to clean it up. That. That's a thing you would notice. Sure. I, but I then she so goes down there. That I trip. My, I would like be so busy trying to get it back together. I would no, not you, notice. Abe, you and I wouldn't yeah, notice. I would not notice. Bob would notice. <laughs> she goes down there. And in the in, uh, <laughs> this is not to say that an indigenous woman cannot be fully capable and observant uh, human individual, right? I'm not saying that at all. But she goes down the 50-foot ladder into the secret lab and sees on the table there a long metal rod that has a particular shape on yeah. the end of it. She has no idea 
what that might relate to, right? But she 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 notes it in her mind. She's like, oh, here's this long metal rod with a, a, a stabby star end, right? Yeah. Now, th- she didn't know at that time that there were stabby star wounds in the body of Annie Kay. She right. couldn't possibly have, right? And this is uh, six years later, right? right. Yeah, this is yeah, six years part. later. Yeah, but she, maybe she's the true detective. Maybe that's what the story is. Maybe that's who the title, the show is about. Then they go to, com- to, to, to make you believe that that's plausible. They show you uh, another indigenous cleaning woman at the police station taking pictures of the police file where it shows Annie's, Annie Kay's wounds on her body that sort of maybe match up to this long metal rod that they found in the secret lab. And from those two pieces of information, they put together that not only was Annie Kay murdered because she found the lab down there, but that the whole team was responsible for her murder. Not just one individual who, who stumbled upon her and who did the stabby stabs, yeah. but that somehow collectively the scientists lost their fucking minds and and like that's the other part of it, is that we're expected to believe <laughs> that a bunch of scientists were so power mad or like uh, discovery hungry that they that when a, a person found out that they were uh, uh, poisoning the town that they Lord of the Fliesed her right. that they that they all went so completely Isn't insane. That just what men do that well, they murdered her. But she like to say ruined. nothing of the fact. Yeah. To say nothing of the fact. That it doesn't make any sense that you need pollution from <laughs> that, a mine that is the best to, <laughs> to make the ice core drilling work better. Like, what are you talking? There's a specific amount of, like, methane and, and sulfur or something that seeps into the ice that makes it easier to extract yeah. pure DNA from 50,000 or 50 million years ago right. from out of the ice. That doesn't make any goddamn sense. No. Uh, does heat, maybe? Heat, plausibly, would make it easier to extract. But 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 why the poison, right? right. Why, why would the poison do that? The, None uh, of it is believable. Right. None of it makes any goddamn sense. Right. The, the, that, that was actually the the other laugh out moment where like you know the the thinking you know like uh, Jodie Foster's character is that you know you you scientists are uh, on the take and you're falsifying for the evil pollutant company and, and like no 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 we're asking them to dial up the p- pollution other way around actually <laughs> yeah. I was like what and they're like oh it needed to be done like and they were aware that what what was happening to the the community but they're like we're right on the verge and we still are of this thing it just seemed like such a everything like you know all the problems that you find it, it, it goes back to everything's in service of the story that the the writer had in their head. They needed the proximity to be such that it was because the story works better. It doesn't make sense in the real world. Like, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's incoherent in the real world, but like it needed to be there for all of the other scenes to happen. And the, the, and the same thing with the scientists telling them, can you dial up the, the pollution because that's going to do something faster or whatever, right? It doesn't make any sense, but like it's in service of that story. And if you look at it from that vantage point, you can just say, okay, this is stupid, but it's like one great failure and everything else is just a a, a, a byproduct of that one great failure, of the, the way that the story was designed you're going to run into this issue to where it doesn't make any sense. Like the the the, the wife of the prior, I think. Like, but I, I also, th- 
Right. No, she's uh, – what a completely meaningless character. That's What also bothers me about it is that the number of sins that this show commits in terms of just trauma dumping on the women. Right. And like all these these women characters are just – they they just keep filling their backpacks with trauma and they walk around carrying their fucking backpacks. And that's the totality of their character. To do that as a male writer to a a woman character would be to commit a sin against that character in a meaningful way, right? Right. Like it would not be – like I would be I would be uh, uh, run down for not building a character with a, a, a full humanity, and instead it's just a trauma dump, right? Like that's a bad thing to do to a character, but for some reason, it, none of the criticism applies because of the people who made this show. Like that, and that's the only explanation I can come keep coming back to. And it sounds like a stupid reactionary sort of uh, uh, reaction it is to a little. But it's the only one that makes any sense. The only way that you can say this was a good show worthy of only uh, uh, effusive praise is if you were telling a lie about it, right? And I agree with you. The The problem is that they, they, they had an ending in mind and then they had trouble getting to that ending. But what I know for certain also is that you could have gotten there better than they did, right? right? Because – all of those scenes can just be rewritten to be better, right? Like all, all of the things that happen can be – and the dialogue can be written in such a way that it is at least uh, passable as a piece of television product. And this wasn't that. But this was nowhere even close to that. The problem is that the, 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 the overarching story was uh, had so many flaws that you can get the greatest writer and it wouldn't salvage it, right? I mean like let's say the, 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 the scenes between the characters – they're still ending up doing the same things, but like be- while they're communicating to each other, everything kind of flows. There's no issue. Nothing is clunky. There's no like these needless callbacks. I mean, th- when they did it once again with a flat time and a flat, I'm like, come on, enough with the thing. Like the the callbacks is just getting ridiculous. But like yeah. even if you clean all of that up, you still end up with this weird story where like what the hell was all this? It didn't really yeah, make any sense. Yeah, but you could just rewrite it. Just like get a different to- club. Of writers together. You, would have you to, could get to the end that right. she wanted. You would have to kind of rearrange the whole story, like, to, to work. Yeah, you, you'd have to start over. Yeah, you give a little more weight to, like, you know, that last scene where the women are like, oh, so the, the plan was <laughs> the, the whole flash, uh, flash frozen thing didn't happen. Like, what? I thought they were, like, they were all together. Like, so they huddle up and get all, like, frozen to death naked like the whole scene was like okay because yeah, they were trying to explains, stay warm but it, they apparently didn't freeze to death they didn't close that circle right, either right like if they didn't freeze to death what then and then the answer is the ghost lady some questions don't have answers is a line that they spoke in the last episode of this show which is how you know you've written a bad show is if you are saying at the end of your sh- you're, you're making an excuse for everything that you've just done when you say well you know some questions just don't have answers and then you look direct to camera and you <laughs> wink at us is I, what you're doing I, I must have maybe I missed it but like what was the significance of the tongue because you know they, they kept on going back to that and like they, no one can give an answer was that one of the unanswered questions like the, I guess who knows like, cause like the, the, the they women claim so the in, the it. indigenous women when they all stand around the kitchen table like uh, like a like a group of I don't know what what was like, that like, was that like a, which way they're gonna go if you're gonna try to arrest us we kill you or you can let it slide I what, don't what know was the it was show very weird. It? 
And where are they coming from? That, that's what I was asking. Like, do all these people live here? How did they get all of their coats into that tiny foyer if they're walking in from, from this small little village where they all live, where it's fucking negative 15 degrees outside all the time? Uh, these people would not all fit in this tiny little house with all of their boots and, and jackets. That doesn't make any sense either. Explain to me the plausible other explanation for why this show received universal praise. Because there it's isn't. A, so it's not a reactionary. But also, uh, if you but the if you just wait, it'll go away, and right. no one will think it's good. Yeah. After, if you just give it like six months, no one will think it's good anymore. Yeah, so I, the I, I, reactionary yeah. thing yeah. comes from the amount of energy you give it. Right. Just let it go. Yeah, but it matters if critics are willing. That, that's what that's what bothers me is that we can't just like I agree with you. It doesn't matter in the big picture at all. But not even in the short term, like it. People aren't going to be talking about this very yeah. soon. But surely it matters that a piece of art comes out that receives universal acclaim that actually completely sucked. Like it, And it matters that a whole class of what are supposed to be the people who have their finger on the pulse of the culture are cowed in some way. Do you think against that's giving what it their... is? Do you think that they thought it sucked too and they were cowed into saying something? Uh, maybe, you know, like... Maybe just the prestige of the brand, you know, True Detective is a known commodity. Um, Jodie Foster is a known commodity. HBO is a known commodity. The first episode, even though you kind of sussed it out from the beginning, like, it was like, okay, it has some, you can make this work. Let's see what happens because there was a lot of questions without any sort of like resolution. So like maybe people jump the gun. They're like, wow. This is, is going to be great. The, the setting was pretty good. Although I will say the, the most realistic part of the story is that like, you can disappear people in Alaska pretty easily. Like you can just – like they were they're way too comfortable this, the with, problem this, like, with the killing setting, bodies. Just getting I agree them. with you. The, se- the setting was a cool idea. But yeah. as executed, it was completely underwhelming. Yeah, they did nothing because with you, it. Yeah. Because you can't either – maybe you can't do anything with it or they just chose not to. But like that much darkness, like I don't know. It just – like the only thing that I can remember about the setting for the most part was the awful opening scene with the, the, the oh, computer-generated – the computer-generated elk, right. which looked like shit. It looked like something I would try to do on my fucking piece of shit computer here. Right. Like it didn't even look good. Right. And that stupid, like, like, like that was the only time that the that the the setting of the place really felt like it was trying to be a character. And so other- Avatar's tomato meter is eighty-two. Yeah, I think this is going yes, to continue to be But when you, when, you re- when you read all of the Avatar reviews, the overwhelming feeling that you get from those reviews is, boy, he sure does write a clunky story that we've all heard a million times before, but what a spectacle. And there's no way that I can give this anything less than three out of four stars because it's just way too beautiful and way too much of, a, of a, uh, an accomplishment uh, to do anything but give it a positive thumbs up type review. When you read the reviews of this show, it's like... What a spectacular cast, spectacular acting, uh, masterfully executed, and finally uh, a season finale worthy of what came before. Like, what show did you watch? <laughs> what are you talking about? Although I will and say, what- yeah, True Detective does not do final episodes well in general. Even the best season, the first season, like, it just was like, all right, I guess nothing really happens. Like, it just kind of ends. So I remember feeling slightly underwhelmed the first time that I watched season one's finale. But then we watched it two more times. Oh, did it get better? I only watched it the first go around. It I does. Never, I never go back to True but Detective. Having, I'm like, this is great, but I don't ever want to see this again. 
once you understand the the theme of the thing, it makes sense that you would be underwhelmed by the end okay. of the first season. There's not going to be some weird uh, supernatural reveal of everything that's it been going on. It was a buddy on. cop it's show not, the whole time. It's not building to some occultish sort of weird king in yellow. Like we're not going to get some some sort of mystical explanation for everything, and that that's why it ends up being sort of satisfying when you go back and I and see. reappraise it. No, like I loved it at the time because the thing I liked about the first season was the relationship between these two dudes. I thought it was adorable and good. And then, yeah, there was other stuff. But then you get to the final episode and it's the writers saying like, yeah, this was about their relationship right. the whole time and how much they love each other. And like, that's what the finale, I was like, yeah. You know, it was for uh, me validating. And, and, about, and about finding something in your fellow human being right. that makes the awful experience of being in this fallen world worthwhile, right? right? That's what they're saying. And at the end of this show, we're expected to believe that it's better that younger cop Navarro walks out into the ice and fucking kills herself, right? right? That's the romantic vision that we get about what it means to be in the world, that there's some sort of mystical, spiritual thing where the, the, the wisdom and knowledge of the ancients and, and, and the mystical her has been asleep out there in the ice for 50,000 years or 50 million years and Navarro is just going to join that in some spiritual way and that's how she and, 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 and Danvers tells her if you do walk out into the ice be sure to come back and visit me that's the lesson we're supposed to get here from, from and, and this is what's supposed to be calling back to season one where the all that matters is the human connections you make with the people around you as you go through this awful experience of being alive and then we get to the end here, and it's like, yeah, if you want to kill yourself, it's probably fine because you're you're reconnecting with your spiritual heritage. Are you like, what the fuck right. is the lesson here? Right. I, I do think like the, the maybe I just like you know maybe because of the title about True Detective, I, I I'm in it for that. Whenever I'm almost kind of tolerating the mystical stuff, especially this season. But you know, at the very end, when finally the sun comes up, you know, all these people are like, they're not mystical, they're suicidal because there's no sun. Like, they live in the shit. Right. That place sucked. I would never want to live there. I know I said this when the show started, but, like, I would never want to live there. But when, 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 you know, it's like a few months later and they're doing the investigation, I was like, man, if they just dug a little more, like, there's... This is not an airtight story that they have. Yeah, you know, like, they think that, oh, they can get away with it. The kid figured out that they killed the guy and he didn't kill himself. Like, these investigators would eventually suss out they're not playing straight here, but they just kind of like ended in a nice, nice and neat bow. Like, hey, maybe the body will turn up in the you know in the summer, but you know, that that's that. It's like I think I would have enjoyed if it was just that story, but like I mean, we got what we got. I just I want to I want to finish my thought here because if Abe, if you're right that it's not they weren't cowed that they weren't somehow. They weren't thinking that they're afraid to give their real opinion, but instead the combination of factors like who was making it and uh, and the the title card and the fact that it's on HBO at nine o'clock and, and it's motivated just, reasoning. It's, they want it to be successful, right? I think that's some. And they want it reasoning. to be good. Yeah. So what they are is that they're, they're all somehow the victims of like uh, what was the Cuban laser death ray thing that happened, where like everybody 
All all those uh, uh, U.S. assets that in the X Files episode. No, like in Cuba, the, like the, with uh, the microwaving or what, or like the, the a traumatic few years ago, PBI, with, with traumatic the, brain injuries or whatnot. Yeah, pe- people were complaining about how, like, at the U.S. embassy in Cuba, yeah, that they were Havana syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Havana syndrome, that thing where they Cuban were Cuban U.S. embassy syndrome. They is were af- the Google. They were afraid the commies were zapping them, or the Russians were zapping them with microwaves from afar, <laughs> and. And they were coming up, and like all these smart, otherwise smart people became convinced that they were the subject of uh, secret death rays, right? That's like, right. So yeah. is it, it's some sort of like communal thing, not necessarily that they're afraid of saying the wrong thing and being kicked out, but it's like, well, my friends are making this show, or people that I agree yeah. with are making this show. Yeah. So presumably it must be good. And television is stupid anyway. So like, who cares? Like, it, it's no skin off my back if I if I give a positive review right. to an otherwise bad show or a bad review to an otherwise good show because it doesn't fucking matter. This is all bullshit anyway, so it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, and maybe that's and and again, maybe that's my problem is that I'm expecting people to take more seriously this sort of stuff than than. They they actually are and, and you know we'll see like you know like laura said if you the passage of time will correct this you know this initial positive praise you know like with the you know sometimes with the the when the job market when the job numbers come out and they revise down like a few months ago oh we said like three hundred thousand jobs were gained actually no that was two hundred thousand right. right we're off maybe they'll adjust their ratings down the road but and also it could just be the that people were hard up for like a HBO Sunday night show because of the strike, and now they got it. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot. And now there's one coming up, my girl, Kate Winslet. I don't know how good that show is going to be, but in a couple of weeks, there'll be another show on HBO, and we'll see how good that no. is. Is she the mayor of Easttown again? No, no they're not doing mayor of Easttown. It's, Although Mayor of Easttown is True Detective season four in my canon, <laughs> uh, that that was a much better True Detective season than this one was. That works. There's supposed to be news you want to talk about. I guess we can open up the WGAS news bag here real quick. Abe, we got Navalny. We've got the parade shooting at the the Kansas City parade shooting, and we've got Hunter Biden's FBI informant uh, charged with lying. Fun, what do you fun, want to talk fun. about? I mean, the I, I guess I mean the biggest of the bunch is the Navalny death, right? I mean. Yeah, correct. That's the right answer. Why would you give people choices? So Alexei Navalny, who's a a Russian political dissident and thorn in Putin's side over the last few years, who was poisoned, uh, I believe, when he was traveling in Germany or elsewhere in Europe, but ended up in Germany, in recovery in Germany. Yeah, there was was that clip where uh, somebody was recording on the plane and he was making sounds like, oh, he was hurt, you know, he was in pain. Right. Was the it's some sort of nerve agent that the the Russians are always using to some sort of Putin branded nerve agent? Was it the, the kind Assassinate. that would go out of your system? And was was that was there some sort of time uh, component to like we need to right? So it's the same stuff that because they that when they poisoned that guy and his daughter in England right. a few years earlier, it's that same stuff. And then apparently, yes. If so, the reason that they are. The conspiracy end of it anyway, or at least the, the, the presumption, is that one of the reasons that they have not released Navalny's body to his family yet is that if he was poisoned in this same fashion with this, this neurotoxin or something, that a couple of days in the cooler will allow 
that to leave his system to the point where it will be undetectable in an autopsy so that they will be able to right. to whatever extent they can they can muster plausible deniability here they at least will be able to say this poison wasn't in his system why bother why do they care how this looks to them it's not clear why they bother because like, he's he obviously sort of he sort of flaunts it and he takes pleasure in flaunting this sort of act but uh, Putin does. Preserving the plausible deniability could also be yet another flunk, right? Maybe he thinks like I like I can save but face why? and say because like if you can demonstrate that he in fact did what everybody knows that he's doing, he has one less argument. I don't know. Like maybe he just wants that to be the thing. Like no, like, it's a, because it's a demonst- it's a demonstration of strength and power and and authority in both cases, right? right. Both, us, both allowing everyone to assume that you murdered this guy because you obviously murdered this guy, and further denying them the satisfaction of the proof of the fact that you murdered this guy. Right. It it. it it satisfies the same thing in his brain. The, the, the odd thing is, you know, like when Naval, Navalny like went to Russia knowing that it was a matter of when he was going to be killed, right? Like, I mean, he knowingly kind of went back to Russia. Um, right. He survived, survived one assassination attempt and could have just lived out the right. rest of his life as in exile, essentially, outside of the homeland there, but, but he, decided to return. Right. So he decides to return. He goes through the, the sham trial and they send him to wherever the fuck. Um the timing, like why now? Like and also like a few days after there was some other person, not not as high profile, but they were like what in Spain or somewhere, um, that left Russia and they and he he died of similar circumstance. So I'm like, why are they like offing people now? This seems the timing is what's odd. Like why now? Like what's so significant about now? I don't know. I have no idea. I know that uh, according to things that I've read, that the timing could be reflective of Putin feeling like he needs to reassert himself in some way, that things aren't going, that somehow the rhythms of the fight against Ukraine have dictated the fact that he needs to. But they just got another city. Right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't think, I also don't know that there's any way to fully come to a satisfactory conclusion as to why now. He did it now because he had the opportunity to do it now. And in his head, it made the most sense to do it now. Uh, And I mean, it's a month before the election. And that's the only reason that I think he needs. He's going to be reelected, certainly. There's not a plausible way that he won't be. But uh, to, to go out a month before the election and assassinate people who have, uh, shown themselves to be willing to stand up to you is a good way of reinforcing your power base, I think. And that's that's sort of obvious. And you do it before the election because... You should call it power bottom. Fucking why not? I mentioned on the morning press today that Biden responded as one would expect a president to respond, which is with the expectation that there will be a, a further strengthening of the United States sanction regime against the Russians. Or a, a retightening of that. I don't know to what extent that's been locked down these last two years, uh, but presumably that will get worse in in whatever way that we can. However, we can tighten the screws in that regard. Uh, we will do so. And he further went went on to say that Congress could do do us a favor here by passing Ukraine aid, because ultimately that's one way that we can continue to put pressure on Putin is to continue to make sure that Ukraine has. A, Everything in their ability to uh, continue the fight against him. Right. I mean, the, the just in time for Julia to go over there. <laughs> that, that's the other thing with the timing that's odd. Like, you know, there, there's all this impasse in the U.S. in the U.S. Congress with passing 
the like Taiwan, Israel, uh, Ukraine funding, right? So like you would think like don't like give anybody reason to break that impasse by like needlessly he can easily kill this person six months from now, a year from now. Well, he just had he just had Tucker over there. Like he he believes he's got allies on the other side of the world because he does. Yeah, because I guess presumably he does. But like. Was it? Is it weird of? And this is slightly off topic. Is it weird of me that in the moments after I found out that Navalny had been assassinated, that a weird portion of my fury was directed at Tucker Carlson? No. Uh, what? What? what, what that what, makes uh, sense. I mean, he was just kind of like just uh, a useless dope. Like he had no role in it, right? I mean, like he just. It wasn't. No, it but... wasn't the. No, it wasn't that he had some sort of a role in it, and it wasn't even the fact that he went over there and and sat down for a two hour interview with the guy while he monologized to Tucker about fake Russian history and and insisted that the imper- his imperial aims are just and true because of the last thousand years of history, right. uh, and, and Tucker just sat there and listened to it. And then it wasn't Putin even criticized that. them afterwards for being so servile. It's it's weird. Like he's double <laughs> right. dipping. <laughs> It, it was the it was the weird culture stuff where he went out into St. Petersburg or Moscow or wherever the hell he was and was like, look at this beautiful, clean city and how much better it is than American cities. And look, I went and I bought this grocery cart full of groceries and it only cost me one hundred and seven dollars U.S. And I could eat for a week on these groceries for, a, you know, my family could eat for a week on one hundred and seven dollars U.S. here, uh, neglecting to point out the fact that that's like half of the weekly income. Right. Uh, uh, by by the average. That's also just right? like Eastern Europe. That's not right. unique to Russia. Right. Uh, Mississippi blows away right. the average, G- the, the the per capita GDP of Russia. But who, like, right. in in what plausible way is it better there for your average asshole than it is in the poorest communities in this country? And the answer is that it's not, except in 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 ways that like, oh, like in North Korea, the fucking streets are clean. Like, is that really the trade off that you want to make? Right. Like, you're willing you're willing to say. I'm going to uh, trade everything that is great about America just to have a subway that looks uh, uh, more appealing to me from an aesthetic standpoint. We should go to Bucky's. Right. Sounds like, but like, what is the audience for that? This message that Tucker is pushing, right? Because what I don't understand is, okay, Russia is aligned with the Chinese. It's purely, it's purely, a, a, it's purely an appeal to to people's desire for a homogenous population. Right. It is right, purely it, that it, it is. It is an appeal to it was better back in the day before all these black. And I mean, I, I know that sounds it sounds reductionist, it's not. Um, but I, I think that that plays it doesn't play an active role in the way these people imagine the world. But it does play a sort of subtle like, wouldn't it be better if everyone around me spoke the same the same language? Like, what if I could go to New York and it was just a bunch of people who looked and talked just like me? That would be a better place. And when when uh, Tucker goes to Moscow and he walks around the subway, it's just a bunch of people who all look and talk the same and look how clean everything right, is. Right, but but it, it's an incoherent argument because like that same Russia that he's giving this PR spin for is allied with Hamas, allied with Iran, allied with the Chinese Communist Party, allied with North Korea. It's 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 a. But that's part of it. It's the same. The the left decided that. Ukraine is the good guys and Russia is the bad guys. And so it's it's not that hard for some asshole, the Republican, to say like, oh, well, I'm pro-Russia then. Like for, if you're like, on that for side, no reason I'm on the other except, side. Okay. 
I'm on the other side of whatever you think. Further, because their whole platform is being an asshole. Further, the left decided that diversity is our strength, right? The left decided that multiculturalism is the thing that makes America great and everything else is bullshit. Uh, and so the the reaction to that is going to be the reaction that we're seeing, unfortunately. Uh, and so, yeah, like as silly as it is, I was weirdly furious with Tucker Carlson when I found out that Navalny had been killed because he's over there making these bizarre apologist videos for this regime that is perfectly happy to not only send a political dissident to the fucking Yukon in a in a in a political prison prison camp, uh, but then goes ahead and assassinates him uh, a couple days after I've. After I've left the country, like uh, it, it's just right. It's Which just is, gross. You know, like to the to a point you're making about like, oh, he, this is a counter to the diversity, the strength argument. Like, even if you set that aside, like you're substituting a however messy democracy for a authoritarian system. Like, so uh, is, is the argument like uh, the, the they've decided they like that. They vote for Donald Trump. They like an authoritarian system because they decided they do. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's very odd. Like, I, I wonder, like, how that's going to play. I mean, is this a sustainable argument for Tucker? Like, at some point, he would have to say, like, okay, because I think he, the, the New York Times asked them after the death of Navalny, like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh, you can't defend that. That's whatever. But then he'll just circle back to doing his, like, oh, this is just like Aldi's. Like, you can put a quarter or whatever the fuck argument they were making about the the – the grocery store like it's just a very weird argument like there's got to be a target audience that this is for and it doesn't make any sense as to why an american audience would be for that but what do i know yeah uh donald trump's reaction was to suggest that uh navalny's death reminded him a great deal of donald trump (laughs) and how uh how how corrupt and awful the united states is that somehow vladimir putin killing a political dissident made Donald Trump remember how awful the United States is, which is a very curious thing for a presidential candidate to be insisting on, I think, but what do I know? Right. Uh, And once again, it reinforces the idea that there is nothing from hurricanes to political assassinations on the other side of the globe to... I'm faltering for examples here, but there is nothing that Donald Trump will not manage to tie back around to Donald Trump in some form or fashion. Right. That it all it all just comes back down to Donald Trump. And it's super weird because he's not the only one who does it. Like there are his supporters who are also tying everything back around to Donald Trump. And it for me, every time now something along these lines happens where something in the world happens and Donald Trump says, This is all about me and then his supporters say, this is all about Donald Trump. It reinforces my belief that I expressed in the morning press a couple of weeks ago now, which is that where in the world does the Republican Party go after Donald Trump? They will. It will have been a decade plus since they knew anything of themselves that did not orbit around the person of Donald Trump. He is the supermassive black hole at the center of this party around which everything spins, and they they no longer have any sort of other identity that they can hang their hats on. What does the party become when he dies? I mean, and it's going to happen one way right. or another eventually. Yeah, that, that is going to be strange because it, it, it is uh, – you're kind of like – at some point, like let's say 
Trump were to lose, I guess he could still make the claim and, and pretend he's going to make another go for it in 28. But at some point, I thought that point was in 2020 or, uh, or 2021, January 6th. At some point, this, this Trump fever would break. Right? And just say, okay, enough. We tried it your way, and it's too chaotic. And some sort of off-ramp, some sort of way out to say, like, policy's good, person bad, some sort of weird, you know, like, let's just move on and just pretend this didn't happen. But, like, you're back into where you were five years ago, and now it's like, like, when will this fever break, and what will it look like when it does? It's like, you're going to pretend this didn't happen? You're going to say, like, we're, we're, like, will all the new candidates just say, like, we're just focused about the future? They want to take us to the past. We don't want to relegate. Like it's going to be something like that, right? We don't want to relegate. Yada yada but yada. But what is the what is the organizing principle? Who? What is the what is the the belief at the center of it that coheres the party together well, when, anymore? When you're a when you have a two party system, your animating thing is just like we're against what the other. Just like whatever the Democrats do, like well, we don't like that. So like our party platform is the opposite of that, right? Like right, but but except. If the Democratic Party, by necessity, has onboarded most of what the Republicans were for, that it wasn't completely antithetical to the project, right? Uh, because you're not going to be able to onboard the entire thing. But to some extent, the most successful versions of the Democratic Party have always onboarded conservative ideas, right? Obama, Obamacare was effectively Romney care. Right. The, the the Clinton administration is as close to. I mean, like to, to suggest that it was meaningful meaningfully different than what came before it or what immediately followed it is a little bit silly. Like, yeah, they were uh, they wanted to spend more money. They were, in, as a general rule, more in favor of big government. But what does it mean to be more in favor no, of big that's government? that's the thing. It's than, turned into any government. Than the Reagan administration, right. right? And it's silly to say that, the, that Clinton was some sort of a massive change in terms of that. I mean, to some extent, the uniparty has already established itself, right? I mean, look... Look no further than the fact that the Democratic Party is the one that wants to send all of this money to Ukraine, right. that wants to send all of this money to Israel, yeah. right? Like, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense from the way that we uh, grew up understanding what the two different parties were about. Right. But to a very real extent, the Democrats are the lone remaining standard bearers of both elements of both parties uh, as we used to understand them. And then on the extremes of either end, you have sort of craziness, right? You have the, the squad stuff and then you have uh, – which, which just utterly pales. Like American progressivism on that end of the spectrum utterly pales in comparison to – what is now the trumpeting and who knows what it will become after that. But like that, the Democrats are the only thing that sort of still cohere uh, somewhat close to the middle. And if that's the case, if you, you say that all that exists is, is to be in opposition to uh, the, in a two party system, all you need to do is to have that one party to exist in order for there to be the opposition party, which is true. I agree. But what shape does that take if the Democrats sort of are the only ones continuing to push something like a, a liberal world order over here, right? Like, like it, it, I agree with you, right. but also if there's only one sane team, then we don't really have a two-party system. You have a, a dominant uniparty, and then you have these crazy assholes nipping at their ankles all it's the time. that system of a down song. How do you own disorder?
that. And and people identify beyond the policies. They identify as Republican. And so, like, if, like, Trump were just to kind of just disappear uh, and some, like, maybe not Nikki Haley, but, like, let's say Nikki Haley, like, she would – her polling would show, as it reflects now, that she'd be ahead, right? So it's like almost immediately, like, things would just kind of rebalance. And she's, like, for all the same stuff that the Democrats are trying to push as far as – aid, you know, with Ukraine and Taiwan and Israel, right? So, like, it would just kind of go back to the way it was before. It's just like this weird fever dream. Yeah, but what do the, what do the Ted Cruz's and Josh Hawley's and J.D. Vance's of the world's do? This is, what I, this is, this is where I'm not understanding. Because as, as much as there still exists a few neocons left in the world, a, a few rational conservatives that, like, I guess they work mostly at the bulwark, uh, like, like that, and that's about it. Like, there, there do still exist some remnants of a conservative party that hasn't completely lost its mind, but not at the top levels of the Republican right. Party. N- not in con- like it, when Mitch McConnell is the only one left who seems like a rational actor up there. Like the entire next generation of Republican leaders have completely lost their goddamn minds. Like we're, we we can't even get Congress. I mean, it's whatever. We, I don't, we don't need to relitigate how fucking stupid and awful uh, the, the current Congress is and, and the Senate. But like, I, I just don't see how pointing towards uh, the relative sanity of someone like Nikki Haley, like why would those people rally around Because they rally Nikki around Haley? power, right? I mean half of the people that are peddling whatever Trump wants them to peddle don't believe in it. Like, you know, like, and so if you were to disappear – then you wouldn't have this, this, this top of the party influence that tells you you have to. Like I mean, for instance, the the, the border deal, right? That was tied to the aid. If it weren't for Trump, it would have passed, right? I think that you're downplaying the significance of the rise of insane people who don't want to govern to the most prominent positions of power in the Republican Party. I don't know how. You recover from that because the system is set up to reward crazy people, right? As we've discussed many times before, because we have so many essentially uncontestable seats right. and, and, and districts in this country, that the contest always just comes down to the, the question of the primary, and the primary always produces uh, uh, insane candidates when they don't have any competition on the other side of the primary, right? right. That's how you end up with uh, far more liberal version of what the Democrats would want uh, in in some parts of the country. And that's how you end up with completely insane people coming out of Arizona and producing J.D. Vance out of a relatively sane place like Ohio. Like, it's because they're... J.D. Vance himself was not a crazy person, right? Like, he he wrote his little book and he was, like, against Trump. But he reads the room just like all these other people. Like, I think there are some who are crazy, crazy. And other people are just playing crazy just to kind of – for political expediency just so they're closer to the power. And as soon as that influence is gone, those crazy – like the J.D. Vance people, they're going to make some stupid points here and there, but they're going to go back to just being regular. Like I – I guess. It's yeah. just hard it's, – it's just hard for me to imagine – that anything like uh, the recognizable a recognizable version of the Republican Party 
turns around and says, okay, now we're going to do governance right. again. No, they don't want to do that. <laughs> like, in, in, what, in what world does it make sense that like, oh, we got a, a healthy majority in the House and we have 55 senators in the, in the Senate. So we don't have quite a filibuster proof situation here. But, you know, we have a healthy majority here and we can get a lot done that we want to get done. No, they won't get anything done what is on the, purpose. What is the positive vision of America right. that they hope to, hope to put forward? No, they don't, they don't have a positive vision. They want it all to not work. Yes, I know. That's what I'm saying. Is that there, there does not exist a, a version of this future that I'm describing where they just go back to normal order. It doesn't right. like to me. Even with Donald Trump's demise, I don't know how Nikki Haley or Marco Rubio or Josh Hawley fills that void of Trump in a way that's like, okay, now it's morning in America again, right. and we're just going to do it what's yeah, good. It won't be an immediate transition, but what, what I imagine will happen is once this Trump thing kind of went, you know, however this uh, resolves itself, there will be the, the 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 Christian nationalist weirdos, right? Like the the Speaker of the House types, right? And their policies are like fucking crazy, right? And they're going to lose a lot of races, right? And so like it will become very apparent, like without the the uh, personality of a Trump. To where people are like, oh, hey, that guy's funny. Like, whatever, like, I don't know why the, the draw that people have to him in a political sense doesn't make sense to me, but he is a draw. When that's gone, it's just like, we want to, like, make, like, what was the latest thing that came out of Alabama? Some weird thing about the IVF or whatever, like, it's like a human person or something. Yeah, embryos are babies. Yeah. Like, just, like, stupid things like that. Frozen embryos are children is what an Alabama court ruled. Right. So there'll be a lot of those kooky things. Like, despite all of the, you know, with abortion, how... Every time it goes up to a vote, they lose, but they're still doubling down and they're trying to get rid of any sort of voter initiatives or whatever. Like those are going to be uh, like uh, like through the elections in 24 and 26 and beyond. They're going to lose enough to where some other type of Republican will come into to play to say this is we're being too stupid. We're losing too many races. I think it will go something like that. It won't be an immediate transition, but it won't be morning in America like that. But some moderate voice will come and say, these weirdos are making us look like weirdos and we need to try something else. I guess. The problem is that the only the only way that that works is like in a place like Maryland where Larry Hogan right. is is able to be elected in a – like a Republican like Larry Hogan can be elected in the deep blue Maryland. And he won't, because he way, yeah, but yeah. No, as a senator, he probably is going to lose, right? right? I mean, because he'll be that's punished but because he, it's like you're not standing up. Like, what's the point of sending you to, like, in a, in under normal settings? Yeah, why not? You know, there's a lot of the cross party votes, but like, why am I sending a Republican vote so they control the Senate for judicial nominations? You're gonna in lockstep vote some weird way, right? So like, he he will be punished for being a Republican, even though they may otherwise like him as they liked him when he was a governor. Like, I think he would be punished. Right, but that's but, but what I mean is, like, it's possible to elect him as a governor in your state in those circumstances. I'm not sure where the saint, where the where the infrastructure, our, our electoral infrastructure exists that is going to raise up sane Republicans out of Republican districts. Right. With the winner-take-all system, with a system that doesn't allow for true competition of ideas across party lines and instead just insists on elevating the loudest and most craziest person as, as the winner in your district to the point where somebody like Bob Good can come into our district here and kick out a deeply conservative guy like uh, Denver Riggleman uh, because he doesn't hew uh, close enough to the party line. 
according to the crazies. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I, th- I think that, and of course I'll just continue to defend my position. Uh, and it, and there's a, it, it was funny and this is now 10 days ago or something that I wrote this, but I, I wrote this long thing about, it was like 25 minutes just about how uh, the Republican party is going, is doomed, that there's no escaping the fact that the party lives and dies with Donald Trump at this point. Right. And I, I, I gave this long essay about how, it's not an ideology necessarily that that coheres from one moment to the next, but simply a uh, 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 republic, the, a party's name in name only has cohered for the the bulk now of American history, both with the Democrats and the Republicans, and that I I don't see how the Republicans, even in name only, can continue after Donald Trump is gone. And I got to the end. And I, I give a to be fair line and I'm like, this is the only line of this entire fucking 5,000 word essay that Abe is going to agree with. And it's just like, uh, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> My suspicion is that the Republican Party, as we have known it since the second founding, will basically cease to exist when Trump does. Evangelical Trumpism, or whatever you want to call it, will faction off into a sort of reactionary populism headed by media figures like Tucker Carlson and Charlie Kirk, an angry 20% or so of Americans doing nothing but standing athwart the culture and whining MAGA at it to each other. In the meantime, the detritus of the Republican Party will attempt to coalesce into a sort of anti-identitarian resistance to democratic uniparty overreach, to little effect, another half-century of wilderness wandering for the classically liberal conservatives who are always better observers of government than effective wielders of its power. Or, maybe, Trump will go, and it will all, somehow, more or less return to normal. And I can I, I can see Abe on the other side of the headphone set. They're going, yeah, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> but it, it will. I, I think it'll just depend on how this election will go. Like, but it it's inevitable that once the Trump moment ends, there's going to be this weird period where the Republicans like are. I mean, I guess the losing continues until they kind of right the ship. Because to the point, like there. Like enough interests aren't being met by just having one dominant party like the Democrats, right? So like the Democrats won't be able to fulfill all the promises for everybody, right? So enough of those people will say, I don't like what they're doing, and they will move to the Republican Party because somebody else will say, oh, yeah, whatever bullshit you're into, I'm going to be for. And then it'll just kind of balance. There's like an equilibrium. It always ends up being I like there's a, there are political realignments, but it ends up being about the same. Um, and I expect that that will continue. Yeah. It's now 10.15. Do All we right. have we had, uh, Strassman to worry about? We do. We have uh, we had some technical difficulties here, so tonight's episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter than we're used to. Unless the intro yes, is incredibly long. to make up long. for last week. We do have some Strassman to get to, and this will tie into our uh, conversation about Kansas City, probably. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? Dr. Luann Woodward. At the University of Mississippi Medical Center, she's the alpha leader fighting the Delta variant. Strassman gets off a good one. 
A couple hours later, the mob trampled the Constitution. And Roseanne Boylan of Kennesaw, Georgia. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. Did uh, Strassman explain his absence? No. So far in 2024, there have been more mass shootings in this country than we've had days of the year. Our Mark Strassman explores the impact. Gunshots, panic on parade in Kansas City. A Super Bowl celebration hijacked. Another American moment shattered. I was just crying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You had to have been terrified. Yeah, I was terrified. I was traumatized. With today's gun violence. Uh, uh, pause here real quick. All right. Mark Strassman, professional uh, newsman, uh, no. journalist. He's CBS News's senior national news correspondent. Uh, to be clear, this is not a live hit that he's doing. This is a uh, reported out and produced piece right. that he's recording ahead of time and then editing into something later. Uh, which makes the following utterly inexcusable. Just listen to the first word he speaks here. With, 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 with. <laughs> what is with? Maybe he's been drinking. That's where he's been. He's trying to say with today's gun I violence. Know. He, and he says, says with. With. Maybe he, he. What is? What is with? One takes Rothman. Everybody knows. You know. He, he, he did, yeah. Did it the first time. Do it live. We're not in a, like, uh, the 35-millimeter film costs Wits. too much situation here. You, you, you know, He's, uh, local, uh, I, I, my, my siblings are in the local uh, news thing, and so they'll, they'll often have the, the person in front of the camera manning the camera, right? They're not, they're not, they're, we don't have enough money to have. Your siblings are in local news? Yeah, they're like uh, Fox 5, they're producers for Fox 5 uh, here in Atlanta. Two of them. Two, I got, like, a lot of siblings, but... Um, so they'll have it to where, like, hey, here's a camera and a stand, and here's a fucking truck. Go out there and then put it up, and then do your little piece, and then come back. Right? They're not. They're not sending out like four man crews right. to do these fucking things anymore. Is, is there what any you're chance? Saying. It's, I mean, it's a one man operation. Is there any chance, senior, whatever, uh, Strassman is doing a one person kind of all? Like, is, is this because that, that would explain why he only did one take? Because, like, if there's somebody behind the camera, they're like, hey, let's just do that one more time. Just it's like two seconds. Let's just run it back real quick from the top and go, right? Unless he's I, by himself. I, I know that they are they're cutting corners and trying to save money here, but there's no way that they're sending their senior national news correspondent out to do to he's do too all this. Old. He doesn't know how to and operate to pick up things. to pick up all of the like B-roll coverage and stuff that he has to do. There's no way yeah. that Strassman is running the whole show here. <laughs> I, I think you're right. But like that I have no other explanation as to why they would just like go with this. Like. <laughs> it's remarkable that you have siblings in media who do not listen to your news and politics <laughs> podcast. That's 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 just incredible. <laughs> With today's gun violence, there is no sacred space. Inside this Houston megachurch last Sunday, a woman stormed in firing an AR-15. She was shot and killed by off-duty police officers after a running gun battle. It's, it's scary. It is. It's scary. On average, more than 325 Americans are shot every day. Last year saw 656 mass shootings, defined as four or more victims. Traveled the world and felt a lot safer there than I did in my own city. We're twitchy. 
Bullet by bullet, gun violence grafts onto everyday stresses. People are experiencing vicarious trauma. Dr. Arthur Evans, CEO of the American Psychological Association. How significant is this stress? We have about a third of people in the country who are saying that their behavior has changed because of mass shootings. Right after mass shootings, Evans says 75% of Americans report significant stress and that parents of young children especially have concerns about their kids' safety. When you're talking about churches and synagogues and shopping malls, we have less of an ability to distance, and, and, and I think that has a different kind of impact on us. On the polarizing issue of guns, a majority, 56%, favor more restrictions, according to Gallup. I'm a gun owner. It should be, um, you know, harder for certain individuals to obtain a gun. Owning guns makes millions of Americans feel more in control. But with gun violence, anxiety climbs because people feel they've lost control. Why haven't I got shot? I don't know. Guns in crowds have become a new American anxiety. Kansas City, a reminder of Denver's NBA championship parade last year when two people were shot. People just can't go buy a gun or an assault rifle and go kill people. I mean, like, how many more people have to die before we change that? Mark Strassman, CBS News, Houston. All right. Abe, did Mark Strassman, senior national news correspondent, uh, CBS News, get off a good did one? Did he even attempt one? At the very beginning, At the he, beginning said, uh, he said, like, uh, uh, parade of fear or something. Oh, God. Panic on parade in Kansas City. Yeah. Well, yeah. But that was I, it. I guess I didn't pick up on that. So I would say no. Ooh, sorry, Mark. Try again next time. This has been America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? It's interesting. You know, this, uh, this whole, like, the Kansas City example was just like, People who were armed, they weren't there to shoot anybody. They got into an argument, and they're like, since I have a gun, let me take it out and shoot indiscriminately into this crowd, right? Like the Lakewood, Texas, Houston, Texas church, somebody went in there deliberately to do something, right? So it seems like the circumstance— An actual, an actual crazy right. person, uh, yes. An actual this, crazy This is person. a person who had schizophrenia and— uh, like a known history of mental illness who was able, despite that fact, and multiple run-ins with law enforcement to perfectly legally purchase uh, her guns in the state of Texas back in December or something right. like that. So, so it seems like currently, like, it's almost kind of like the the problem, it kind of feeds on itself to where, like, I mean, the, the crazy person's aside, but, like, people will see the news and say, oh, things are dangerous out there. I need a gun. And then they'll have a gun. And then, like, any argument could if you were armed with a gun, turn into a gunfight, right? And so you're kind of raising the chances for more gunfights because you think things are so dangerous out there because other people are shooting. I'm going to bring a gun to defend myself, and then I'm going to now be the one shooting, and it just kind of feeds on itself. Like this problem as it's currently uh, going, like it's going to get worse, right? Because like more and more people are going to have guns, and then if a fight breaks out, they're going to bring out their gun and shoot. Like, if they didn't have their gun, right. they would just kind of just talk, like, hey, what the fuck? Or they would fight. Like They, they would, would punch each other. Yeah, or whatever. But, like, if you have a gun in this heated moment, they're like, oh, look at that. Maybe just shoot, right? And so, like, this problem is going to get worse. Right. Although, my guess is that it, it's usually not the one gun situations that turn into real problems, right? right? Like, usually the one gun that comes out 
tends to end whatever the fight is going to be. Right. It's when the it's when the gun that you pull out is met with uh, another gun right. from yeah. somebody who also brought the gun right. that ends up with the with the bad news stuff happening. Right. And that's this is all before we really even get into anything like uh, a planned attack, right? Like a, right. a mass shooting in the in the more traditional American sense of the word. Uh, that involves a, a sort of Columbine te- style yeah, terroristic or, or school shooting type event. Yeah, that's like a fraction of the problem, right? Like, I mean, at this point, like, I know. It gets, the, yes, that's the point. It's crazy how widespread I mean, this is where people point, are just getting shot. I guess. Yeah. Strassman, I do not appreciate the fact that you took like a month off and then came back and didn't even really try. He doesn't owe you anything. It, it, he doesn't okay. owe you anything. It, it must be like a, a, a quiet punishment, right? Because if it was uh, something else, they would have mentioned it. Oh, you know, his grandkid, he's got a new grandkid or something. He was off no. or something. He was reprimanded for something. No, <laughs> he just had a vacation. So what? He's owed and deserves a vacation. He works very hard. All right, I have uh, rolled the dice. Billboard Hot 100 game is now officially underway. We are going to position number uh, 16 in our years list and number 35 on the Ooh. Billboard Hot 100. Mm. 16. What's that, 1998? Number 16 is indeed 1998. It is our first trip to 1998, I do believe. Uh-huh. I've been once before. In the game, that is. Mm-hmm. What is 1998? Uh, Soundgarden? Like, what's the... Yeah. Hot 100 has uh, uh, Jack Harlow still at number one there at the top. And we are going down to number 35 this week. If it's Fast Car again, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> All right. The song involves the one and the only Jelly Roll. It's called Wild Ones by Jesse Murph and... Jelly Roll. Oh. Okay. I don't think I'm going to like it. Jelly Roll is apparently good, uh, a hot talent now. Very big guy. He's everywhere. I've seen him in Congress. See him on the news. Wild Ones was a song by Flo Rida back in the day as well. This one's Jelly Roll. Did we ever have a Jelly Roll no, song, or did we just talk about them yeah. because of? Uh, was it the Grammys or? New- no, it was New Year's Eve. It was New Year's. New Year's. Okay. He was there on New Year's. He was there with uh, with LL Cool J and Ryan Seacrest, <laughs> as he should have been, obviously. Oh, I hate this already. You don't have to listen to it. Is this a remix of an original song or something? I don't think so. Why does she sound that way? They're making it on purpose sound like that. This song is only two and a half minutes long, and I thank fucking God that you killed myself three times already. End where it's over. I am Navarro walking out onto the ice. Got me wide, wide open, got a 45 on him, and he pushing back 100 and two. Always smoking something, I'm he ain't worried about nothing, cause he ain't got nothing. 
I gotta get to the part where Jelly Roll does his thing. He's maybe playing the guitar? No, he must. Is that how it works? No, he's gonna be here. He's gonna lay down a verse. All right. Could I? No, there's no way. We don't even need to look. I'm going to take the field of 1998 music, just the entire field of music. You can play whatever you want. I don't like to. I don't like to paint with a broad brush, unlike the Tucker Carlson's of the world. But is it possible that white people were a mistake? <laughs> is that is that what I've just learned? Maybe, maybe. Uh, where's the lie? That is, uh, I mean, initially I'm like, wow, that's a short song. But that was a long two minutes. <laughs> we didn't even listen to all of it, did we? No, we did not. That was a very long. It's so horrible. We were 35 seconds in and it felt like. All right, we're going to the third week-ish or so of February in 1998. We're aiming for about the 20th. That would be the week of the 15th through the 21st, which is where we will go. The number one song that week was Nice and Slow by Usher. Oh, wow, Usher okay. was still... Okay, prescient. Wow. But of course, we're not... Worried about the number one song. No, but we it, that, that works. Need to get down to number thirty-five. There's some. Fuck yeah, Savage Garden. Savage Garden and yeah. Leanne Rhymes. Pop Daddy. Notorious B.I.G. Boys to Men. Spice Girls. Another Usher. Wow. Wyclef Jean. Third Eye Blind. Busta Rhymes. L.L. Chumba Wamba in there at Fuck number nineteen. Yes. <laughs> I get no doubt. Number thirty-five. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> this could be bad news. A Hanson B-side? Oh, no. What it's, is it? It says a band called New oh, Flavor. This is the field. And okay. The, I, I jumped the gun. And the, and this, and this no, I is, already sold. The song is heaven. On either side of number 35, we have Sarah McLaughlin and Third Eye Blind, which would... Third Eye Blind would have definitely would have been the better. thesis there. I mean, at 38 is Quit Playing Games With My Heart by the Backstreet Boys, which would be... Uh, the first time I ever had to hand it to the Backstreet Boys. No. Like they say, you know, you never have to hand it to the Taliban or whatever that drill tweet is. In fact, I discovered here if we had landed on number on, on the Backstreet Boys, you do in fact occasionally have to hand it to the Backstreet Boys, much to my surprise. No, that's the thing. Surrounding this are like semi charmed life, these fucking young people that I work with know every word of that song because it will last forever. Right. Same thing with P Quit Playing Games With My Heart, which at the time sucked, but clearly was good enough to stick with us. Whereas what we just heard... Yes, but what about uh, Heaven oh my by God. New Flavor? I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> Is this a boy band? <laughs> looks like... Looks like Heaven. Oh, it's fine. Boy. It's fine. <laughs> we got a mermaid in the video. I mean, the pick is in for me, so I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> this is this is four overweight Mexican fellas. You don't know where they're from. In white clothes. 
this is not the official video, right? This is some weird quality. No, this is the official video. This just points to what things were like back then. Right, I apologize. They're from Long Beach, California, not yeah, Mexico. Fuck you, Bob. Yeah, I already hate it. Like, this is fine. It's just the Backstreet Boys song, but it's other people. This is, uh, they saw Boys to Men and they were like, what if, what? The, no, but that's... They said to the AI, what if Boys to Men, but. But hit it with that Latin flavor, as I did to There's our no show Latin logo flavor one in time. This. No, 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 not actual Latin flavor, but like the the appearance of Latin flavor. No, that's. I mean, all of the boy bands are what if boys to men, but something. This was a gold certified single, their biggest hit. Peaked Good at, for them. Peaked I hope they're getting 27. some money right now. That guy died of heart disease like ten years ago. He's not getting any money. That was dreadful uh, as well. Both both songs are dreadful. Number 35 is a bad place yes. to go on the Billboard <laughs> Hot 100 number. chart is what we found out today. One of these gentlemen is a native of Guam, by the way. I'm trying to figure out there. You're the most racist I'm person. I'm not being racist. I just want to. You were, you were convinced they were Mexican. Yeah. That wasn't great by me a minute ago. Uh, to be fair... If this was a video podcast, you would have seen uh, what I saw there. They would have seen how racist you are. <laughs> ah, no, that guy's Mexican. I know what Mexican. Look at him. Mexican. Oh, he's from Guam. Well, that new flavor did not withstand the test of time. Did they have any other hits? I mean, I'm assuming this is considered a hit in the top 40 songs. Uh, sweet, sweet, sexy thing at number 62 was their second biggest uh, hit. Uh, their second album, It's On, appeared two years later, which yielded the hit singles Sprung, Three Little Words, and Most Beautiful Girl. That's enough on that, I think. <laughs> the deep dive on, on new flavor. <laughs> I think we're good. <laughs> All right. It doesn't matter where they're from. They made, no, it doesn't. They made a song in 1998. That was just slightly better. Oh, but so much better somehow. Than the song by Jelly Roll and that trashy white chick that he was hanging out with, whose name oh. I've already forgotten and think, purged from my uh, mind. Jazzy J or something? I think the way that other that, that 2024 song started ruined it. Like, you know, just it was just off to a very bad start, and it didn't pick up It from didn't there. start any different than it continued. Yeah. It was bad. Right. Number 40 in 1998 was All For You by Sister Hazel. Blown away. We got yeah, Hanson. There were a lot. There was Jewel in the top fifty. What a bummer. But yeah, two bad songs is what we what we played for you today. You're welcome. Culture in many flavors and colors Please. and Please times uh, sucks is what we found out today. 
That was the lesson of today's Cast Iron Brains. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where you can uh, sign up to subscribe and get the morning press and other things delivered directly to your inbox as soon as they post, like Tyler did. Hey, Tyler. Nice to know that you're still out there, buddy. We appreciate it. And uh, and I I gave uh, Gillig a permanent lifetime subscription uh, because he wrote and composed and uh, performed our opening and closing themes. And it would... It would weird me out if he had decided to uh, sign up for the Substack. So also, you would have to pay him royalties, so it would be a net. Yeah, that's the. This is this is my way of saying, "Gee, thanks, buddy, for this stuff." Head on over to tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com for more from him, Abe. Besides the awful hour and fifteen minutes of True Detective, did you make it to the movies this week? Yes. Um... Double awful uh, last this week. Um, so I went to go see Bob Marley's movie and um, bet, oh, no. better than True Detective, but Don't not by that. much. Um, so this actually did well at the box office. I was surprised that it did almost thirty million. I didn't expect it to be oh, I'm not any surprised. kind of good. So that did thirty million dollars the same week that Madame Webb did. $30 million, one regarded as a grand success, one regarded as a potentially like studio killing disaster. Well, actually, so the third, I think it was like 29 million or whatever, but th- these stupid movies come out at, at different times and because it's a holiday, like the five day window, I think Matt and Webb had 30. I think it only did like 15 million over the three days and, and Bob right. Marley did almost 30 over the three days. Uh, but anyways, I'm sure Matt and Webb sucked just like this one did. So Bob Marley, I don't know much about. I know his music, but I, you know, it, it was like maybe two thousand and something when I realized that he died from some sort of toe cancer. I, I, I just didn't think of like what happened to that guy, like because he kept right. on hearing his music. I was like, oh, maybe he's just retired. But this should have been a documentary because there were a lot of like I did not know this, I did not know that. That's but the way that true. the movie went about it, uh, it just didn't work. Like. The strength of the movie is that they play a lot of his music, right? It's just these stupid, you know, the biopics where they just have. Uh, oh. That's just like your opinion, For man. For some people, that's not a that strength. Was, that having to sit through and listen to ninety minutes plus of Bob Marley music right, would if, not be a out. strength for me. If you like Bob Marley music. Right. That yeah. would be the strength of this movie, um, but you know they, they do that stupid trope where like he's kind of like strumming his guitar and he's like finding the song. It's like oh, I think I just hit it, and then they go into the song that everybody knows or whatever, right? Right. They're doing that, but the weird thing about the movie was that the relationship between the husband and the wife, Bob Marley and his wife, like they show, like I, I'm, it's not like they have like no chemistry. They have like a weird, strange distant chemistry they just hug each other is this like a is this like a chaste like new movie yeah but because we're sending it to china and they don't like that kind of thing so they don't okay so they do in the present moment like in the 70s like he's like oh some sort of kumbaya concert he's trying to line up and and there's like conflict in jamaica or whatever he's like oh let's all love each other or whatever right um and in that uh period of time he and his wife, they will just hug each other. There's no kissing. There's like no like – even like uh-huh. when they're in private alone. There's no like peck on the – there's nothing. And then they do flashbacks no, to when they're this – yeah. is just a, This is just a high fives kind of relationship yeah, that we have Yeah, because they're sending it to China. It, yeah. But then they do flashbacks to – I mean these are like – I guess we're told that they're childhood sweethearts. Like even before high school. I think it's like 
middle school or whatever. I don't know. I couldn't tell the age of the kids that they were uh, playing. But there they were like having a go at each other. They're like, you know, sneaking off to the rooms and whatever. So I'm like, okay, so it's not entirely a chase decision thing. Hmm. So I'm like, what the hell is going on? Uh, Maybe this guy, I was like, is this guy like a womanizer? And they're kind of like without saying it. Probably. Because, like, she's kind of, like, upset at him, but, like, it's not – I'm like, what the Probably. hell is going on? Like, it's weird. And I look it up, and apparently this guy was a bit of a horn dog. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and- <laughs> but that's, that's just – I feel like if you're going to have a husband who is a world-famous anything yeah. – or a musician or artist, you're, that's what you're signing up for. So it can't be a thing. Right. But it was a thing. The whole time, this guy was like, what is going These two, I don't know what's going on. Be- something is happening between them. Uh, and- I have, uh, I think Lori has just convinced me to become a, a very successful and famous writer. I think I is what she's that. I would I think fucking that's love what that. Do whatever you here. want. Lori Renovate is- the house. I told you I don't care Lori what you do. Lori has discovered a new way to motivate me. <laughs> Anyways. The the other part about it, like I did not know that his father was white. Uh, I, again, I, I my if you I did like a a, a hot shot whatever quiz thing on Bob Marley, right. I would not get any of them right. Uh, oh, me neither. I, I I know nothing about Bob Marley except that I do not care for his music. <laughs> he has like a couple of good songs, right? Uh, or at least a couple. The of The thing beats. is, they're not. They're not. They're fine. They're good. You know how people don't like being told to calm down. Yeah. That's what I feel like. When I hear Bob Marley, I'm being told to calm down. I see. And it's like, you know what, yeah. motherfucker? <laughs> <Don't> tell me. <laughs> That's not helpful. In, in in the in the in the movie. Like, he gets, like, a toe injury, and, like, it's not healing properly. And so, like, this was, oh, I guess this is where we get to the cancer part, right? He goes to the doctor and, like, by the way, you have cancer, but, like, we got it early. Just so I can get rid of that toe. All, I mean, obviously, I don't know how the balance will work, but he can walk around. Like, he can do without the big toe. It's not going to be great, but you can right. live, for instance. Um, he's like, nope, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to just pretend it's not happening. And the guy dies like at 36. Like, he died so The young. doctor told him, if we take your toe, you can live yeah, and like, we'll this kill is, the cancer? It's like a rare form of, like, skin cancer on the toe. Like, they were able to kind of, maybe they sussed it out, like, in retrospect. But, like, the way that it was presented in the movie was this, this was something they could get ahead of because it did not yet spread. It was literally just localized to the toe and he was oh, he melanoma that, that that's the, and then back to the weird relationship he didn't tell his wife like she has to find out through his mother and she's like what the fuck like mm. and he's like oh yeah i didn't want to worry you she gets shot in the head uh in an earlier scene and he goes to the hospital like a, a husband would i mean she was shot because they were trying to shoot him too, right? And they did. He's at the hospital, and they're like, oh, maybe you should leave your wife because, you know, what if they come and get you here? And he's like, no, I can't leave my wife. And they're like, but come on. He's like, okay, fine. And he just leaves his wife. Like the whole – I'm telling you, the relationship between he and his wife was portrayed in the weirdest way. Like it, I'm like, he's just leaving his wife. She shows up whenever. Yeah. Um, they keep doing this weird hug. The movie just – it just was not good. <laughs> 
it just was not good. Right. But I think a documentary would have been fine. I would have enjoyed. Of course it would. I'm sure there is a good one. Right. I'm sure there's more than one. Yeah, good there's one. bound to be a couple of good Bob Marley documentaries out there. I would imagine. Right, but I guess maybe in that documentary they would have to kind of delve into i mean those were two big uh whiffs i mean the, the whole cheating thing is what one thing but like you gotta but jump what on this documentaries cancer. can do that a story movie can't yeah. is just like say a thing be like also this thing spend two minutes talking about it yeah. and not have to show us right fucking movies are so dumb most of the time unless they're like into the spider-verse or what did we watch across the spider-verse where it's doing so much more than just telling me a story right. yeah this yeah, that's what we watched so we watched, we watched uh, two things uh, Spider-Man movie Across the Spider-Verse, which is the sequel to the Into the Spider-Verse movie from a few years ago that we liked so much. Is this the one that ends in a cliffhanger, or is there... Yeah, yeah I mean, this is, it's this just is, half the movie. This is half a movie, yeah. is the problem. It's not an actual movie, and... I wouldn't even call it a cliffhanger. Like, the, there's going to be a whole right. movie But I think they're releasing it this. this year, I think, so you have to wait very Yeah. Long. I thought that it got pushed back, but... Oh. Uh, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Uh, either way, it's at least a full year after it was released, I think. March 29th. That, is that when it's supposed to come out? Is March 29th? Google says. I loved this movie. I thought it was a, a great deal of fun and, so great. and very well done. And it looks great and it sounds great. And uh, just like the first one, I, I enjoyed a great deal. But I also find it to be just utterly unforgivable that they couldn't just make a fucking movie. Right. And have that be the movie. They made half a movie, they and it took two cut... hours and twenty five or thirty minutes to long. make to make half a movie. We know how to make movies now. Know. They don't I, all I have to be I five don't... hours long. There's none of that. I wish wasn't in it, though. Which is not what I can say about most movies that go over two hours by fifty seconds. Like there. The... Every bit of every action sequence was worth no, what it was I mean, doing a, to my brain. They definitely meandered and took their time doing things it. that they. And I agree. I enjoyed it as well. I wouldn't necessarily change any of the pacing or the meandering or anything that they do in that movie. But you can tell a compelling story that ends as a story in itself in much the same fashion that they chose to tell a story over the course of five hours. Instead, they've done it. They could have done it in two and a half. That's all I'm saying is that they made a choice and it's a choice that I disagree with that. If (laughs) that, if you're going to make a trilogy, it should be one movie. And then the second movie should stand on its own. And then the third movie should stand on its own to at least some extent. The other thing that I realized is that they're just making the Matrix sequels, uh, which is really funny. Uh, and I didn't go back... Do you back. think they know? I, I think bet they know. They must know because the, the, the similarities are way too similar or, or, or way too in line with one another. The even even down to like the language that they use where the one guy is calling the other guy the anomaly like neo is regarded as an anomaly according to the architect in the second uh, matrix movie like that it's very funny but they're basically just oh. making the matrix trilogy again uh all the way to the point where uh the second matrix movie you can argue suffers from the same thing that the second spider-man movie does which is that it's sort of a truncated half a movie now the the second matrix movie does a little bit of a better job of telling a complete story ironically enough uh, that's despite the fact that we all knew that six months later or something we were getting 
the the immediate follow up, right? So it wasn't like we were having to wait a year plus for the next movie to come. It was happening just a few months later where you could go and and I think one came out in the spring and the other one came out in August or something like that. So Except I don't know. when I saw the second Matrix movie, I had no interest in seeing anymore because yeah. it wasn't the first I one. I, I I want to very much like give it my absolute full ringing endorsement, but it just bothers me that they couldn't just make one That's fucking movie fine. out but of it. But if, uh, if the, the follow-up is also another well-made dense movie so it's not like a lot of fluff or like oh you could have you could have truncated this and made it into one whole like they can make it work you could then give it the ringing endorsement then right like if they have another yeah solid yeah, yeah. Performance. i mean but also I, I i also am now getting that fatigue that you suggest like where you said everything is these fucking multiverses and there's too many dimensions and all of this shit I get that that's sort of long been an important part of Spidey lore, that that there are these other things going on. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, as metaphor, it's growing tired, right? right? Like, like, as metaphor for human experience, it's no longer doing the job of being interesting and relatable. Right. And instead, it's just becoming a chore to try to figure out all of the stupid universes and what's going on in this one versus that I one. I don't feel... Like, I, maybe it's because I don't consume a lot of multiverse-themed things, but I, I'm not I'm not confused at this movie. Like, it's simple enough, and it feels like they're using the multiverse just as a tool to do cool shit. Yeah. And not—I'm not having to understand things. Like, I'm—where everything else, I feel like—I'm like, what? What's happening? Where this is just very, like, oh, don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Where the web intersects, it's a canon, and okay, like <laughs> whatever. Yes, they keep it, it simple it's, enough because I'm an idiot. It's well done and it's perfectly uh, legible. It's just that I'm growing weary of it as a as a storytelling device and as a tool. But whatever. What else did we watch besides? We watched this? the blowjob thing. The what thing? Oh, the a stand-up special with this. Uh, it's called "Get on Your Knees" by um, Jacqueline. Jacqueline, something. somebody or another on Netflix. I will find out. Jacqueline, is she like a known comic? No. No, but this was a uh, this is a stand-up special on Netflix directed by Natasha Leone. Jacqueline Novak. Wait, Jacqueline Novak. Jacqueline Novak, an unheard person, has a Netflix special. So Lots it would of seem. Unheard yeah. people have Netflix specials. Huh. Uh, and it was fine. I was I was mildly amused throughout. It was more monologue than stand up. Yeah, it was it was her telling a giving a, a one woman story rather than a bunch of jokes, and it relies on you being charmed by her pitter patter, by her inner thoughts, and the extent to which she can deliver them in a very quick and compelling manner. And it was fine. Like I didn't think it was anything special. I don't. the The biggest problem that I have with it is that it does not live up to the provocation that it obviously wants to be, which is that she's going to say, "I'm going to come on stage here and do an hour and a half on the blowjob. I'm going to use my experience of." Uh, my young sort of coming of age tale of me and my initial sexual experiences and the way that I've continued to relate to men over the course of uh, my adult life, I'm going to use the blowjob as as the way of uh, discussing that. And ultimately, it's not clear to me that she delivers on the provocation in a way that 
makes the whole exercise worth it. Uh, but whatever, uh, it was it was a fine way to spend an evening, I guess. Is uh, is the focus? Is the entire focus of the special just like sexual exploits of her youth? It's it's she went to Columbia or Georgetown or something. Okay. Like it's very. She's a philosophy major yeah. or something who like is trying to explore her inner concept. What it's not is that. But if you took Nanette all of the blowjob, if you took all the blowjob stuff out, there'd be like fifteen minutes of material left. Arguably, uh, there's not a lot else there. It all centers around that. Um, it's not depressing at all. Yeah, it's We're, not sad or depressing. Like, it's not. It's not. So some many like, of these things are now. Right. It's not some identity based. Uh, confessional bullshit thing that you have to suffer through. Like it was, a, it was a charming hour and a half of comedy. I'm just not sure that it fucking earned its earned its keep uh, at the end of the night for uh, free on Netflix. Yeah, just relative to the, any other way you can spend an evening. Spe- speaking of uh, sure of Netflix, I'm trying. This is like the second month of this where I just kind of like because of all of the emails I've gotten with these asshole companies raising a buck here two bucks there I got rid of like all the streaming services except for HBO Max so basically I had Apple TV Plus and they're like hey how about a couple more dollars I say fuck you and then Netflix was doing something similar and I go fuck you too and then I'm going to this is going to be a trial run I don't know how long this is going to last but like I'm going to try to just have one streaming service And then see how I like it. And if I hear, like, this blowjob thing didn't do the trick. But, like, if I hear you say there's some good product on Netflix or Apple TV, then I'll The Spider-Man one's on Netflix. Yeah, but any movie I've probably seen. He's already seen that. Yeah, so I've seen that in the theaters. But, like, yeah, so I'm going to – because, like, years ago I was like, you know, with the streaming options, you can always just rotate them out. And I never did. I would just get multiple streaming services. So I'm trying to implement this theory – from years ago to see if are it you works. keeping you're keeping YouTube TV? Yeah, YouTube though, TV is that main. Yeah, I'm not getting rid of that. Never. Right. Uh, but not never. It, we might just have like a pure sports thing. Oh, that's soon-ish. right. Yeah, when the, the evil companies combine for like, but it's yep. like fifty yep. bucks or something. I saw that 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 price point floated around, which is not that much of a break. I mean, I guess it's cheaper if you don't watch anything else, right? Because like I don't know how much yeah. YouTube TV is not like eighty bucks or whatever, but like yeah, for fifty bucks to get like all the sports, which is what most people watch, that would be one thing. Uh, but YouTube TV so far very safe. It's like uh, with the those NFL uh, fantasy football things, the untradeable player, like that's not right. going anywhere. But all the other ones. So I'm trying. So far, HBO has you know last season of Curb and whatever comes out next uh, on Sunday nights. I'll, I'll watch that. But I'm gonna try to do the rotation thing. And see how it works. I like it. I we also is, watched uh, uh, Twilight Zone, a bunch of Twilight, like maybe the darkest and then the happiest Twilight Zone episodes. Yeah, the Twilight Zone channel on Pluto TV is something I've been forcing my kids to watch when there's nothing else oh, to do for Pluto. a few minutes. Huh. I can't think of anything else to talk about necessarily tonight. I am frustrated at our technology situation, but what are you going to do? Maybe it's for the best if you can't think of anything else to talk about. I mean, I got plenty else to talk about. Just nothing here at the end. Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. fan. <laughs>
Bob, you really can't half-ass anything, can you? <laughs> Even research on new flavors. <laughs> no. <laughs> One of these motherfuckers is from Mexico, and I'm going to oh, prove yeah. it. This is, this is, I got to figure it out. I will not. I will not be accused of being. Uh... You recorded yourself into a microphone, convinced <laughs> these guys are Mexican. So, like. Although, Good luck, you, Abe, Abe. Did they look? Did oh, they look Mexican to, to you? <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he was from Guam. I mean, that was my thinking. <laughs> yeah, like that, sure he did. That island that almost tipped over, right? Yeah. This is a uh, island that, at its widest level, is what twelve miles from shore to shore. And at its smallest level, uh, or smallest uh, uh, location, it's uh, seven miles uh, between one shore and the other. Is that correct? I don't have the exact uh, dimensions, but uh, to your point, sir, I think Guam is a small island. Very small island and about 24 miles, if I recall, long. So 20, 24 miles long, about seven miles wide at the least widest uh, place on the island, and about 20, about 12 miles wide uh, uh, on the widest part of the island. And um, I don't know how many square miles that that is. Do you happen to know? I don't have that. Uh, figure with me, sir. I can certainly supply it to you if you'd like. Yeah, my my fear is that uh, the whole island will uh, become so overly populated that it will tip over and uh, and capsize. Uh, we don't anticipate that. The proceeding was created with 100% human content.